to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast, where we talk about the latest uh, technology and photography and creative aspects of the of the uh, what would you call it, Rick? Of the sport. It's not a sport. It's not a sport. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm Jason Odell. I'm Rick Walker, and it's good and, to and, be here. And by the way, Jason does not have COVID, even though he sounds no, like it. I just I just have a stuffy head. <laughs> it's been lingering. Fun times. I got my shingle shot last week. My yeah. second one. And then I started feeling crummy from that for about a day. And then I got a head cold. But oh, well, that's it sounds a, like you've been having fun. It's just life in winter time. You know, it's stuff goes around. Um, fortunately, I don't have any of those other nasty things because, like, I've seen the RSV and the flu, not to mention the COVID. But oh my yeah. God, don't want any part of that right now. Not with the holidays coming up, not with family coming into town. Yeah. So um, we're, uh, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about photo contests, which we've talked about in the past, but I think it's a good topic because it applies to other things too, outside of contests, including how do other people likely look at your images? What, what can they appreciate? What can turn them off? Things of that sort. And then we'll talk a little bit before that about just a quick shoot that we did the other day up in the downtown Denver area. Yeah, that was fun with a Christmas market. Yeah, that was a fun, a fun little thing. They have a Christmas markets are a, a big deal, especially in Europe, right? I mean, that's the kind mm -hmm. of they set up often in the town square, and they've got all these little vendors, and you can get, uh, um, and they're they they tend to be not always, but you know, the German ones are pretty well the well the well-known but that whole area the germans do christmas really well in my opinion yeah but the, you can get to them are really cool in in uh, uh, lots of other countries including places like poland and, and wherever and so we have we have one that they do right in the main uh square park by the state capitol building in downtown denver so it was cool we drove up there and um decided to have a little fun and you know also enjoy some some good german food and some Glue vine and you know all the and good German beer and stuff like that. So it was, uh, you know, it was it was not what we would call a hardcore photography assignment by any stretch. No, I I had a nice uh, bit of currywurst, which you know is not easy to find in the U.S. and it, it's a weird thing. It shouldn't be good, but it's it's kind of good in a certain way. I had cheese spatula, you know, it was good stuff, sausage, yeah. you know, all of those good things. Yeah. Anyway. Um, these are places that are, we went in the late afternoon hoping to get blue hour, which we did a little bit. It was, the weather was a little bit gloomy, mm -hmm. but you still get twilight. Um, it just made the daytime stuff a little bit less um, punchy because it was very overcast and cloudy. Mm -hmm. um, but that is what it is. Uh, now, we both went with primes, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you were shooting a, your Sony, 20, if I, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, with a 24, 50, and an 85. And All I brought the, fast the lenses. Yeah, I brought the I brought a trio of of Nikon Z lenses, the 28, 2.8, and the 40 f2, which are tiny. And mm -hmm. you know those those I like for going light. Um, 28 was probably. Um, not wide enough for the kind of normal things that I would use wide, but it's fine for this kind of walk around, almost like street photography. And mm -hmm. then I tossed in the 8518, which of, of the other primes isn't too big. It's, you know, certainly larger, but it's not 
it's not painful. So a pretty light kit, shoulder bag, easy um, walk around. It's kind of comical putting one of these teeny little, I wouldn't call them a pancake lens, but they're awfully small on a Z9. They just, right. they kind of look like Malibu Barbie's, uh, you know, camera, <laughs> but it's all good. Um, and it was nice to shoot wide open. Um, now, the experience there is is kind of like what you might expect if you're shooting any kind of outdoor uh, fair event. It doesn't matter that it happened to be Christmas time. So there was a lot of challenges, right? Yeah. And, you know, this is a thing that you run into with a lot of shooting. It's You've got a complicated scene with a lot of things going on in all directions. And what do you focus on and how do you simplify it? You know, that's that's one of the key things because the shots that you make can't be about everything. It's got to be narrowed down to be successful. Yeah. And and oftentimes in these places, if you try to go wide, it's really cluttered. Yeah. And it's really hard. So, I mean, I did use the 28 for a couple of shots, but really I mostly used the 40 and, and, and somewhat the 85 a little bit. And I found myself doing... I mean, I wanted some of the setting, you know, the sign that says welcome to the market and the Christmas mm-hmm. trees and the stuff in the back and the skyline. It's a pretty area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun place to go, even when they're not doing the market. But you've got to imagine you're 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 crowded in these little areas with lots of little tents with the vendors and the food, whether it's the food. So then it becomes I need to get pictures of either the food or what's being sold, like the little nesting dolls or the ornaments and and you know things that give the flavor to christmas time as a you know as a as a thing mm-hmm. um and then it started getting dark <laughs> right i mean right. The, blue, the blue hour up here this time of year is pretty pretty short um i think it's a nice shot to the state capitol during blue hour because we were more or yeah. less across the street from it and and those turned out nicely right. and i got one or two with the skyline but there's always going to mm-hmm. be people and then what I discovered was that then then you've got all the nice lit, you know, they have lit decorations, whether mm-hmm. it's trees or, you know, giant stars or whatever, and uh, people standing around um, open fire pits, you know, playing games. And I realized once it got dark and shooting at, you know, night conditions is usually, I don't want to say frowned upon, it's just difficult uh, because you don't have that nice blue sky anymore, right? But I did find some success with people silhouetted in front of the lights or with the fire pits and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, little kids uh, in front of the Christmas tree and things like that. Um, I'm almost would be, if I were going to do it again, um, I'd almost be tempted almost, I'm not sure yet, but to even bring a little flash to add mm-hmm. fill, you know, for, for once it's dark and you've got people maybe in a booth, depending on what the lighting is, mm-hmm. um, it would be a potential thing. I'm not, sold on that yet but i could see where it might work where a little fill light could potentially help um with a smaller flash unit but you know we'll just see because what happens is when you get the that that twilight you often get directional um even though it's like blue hour you still have the directional nature of the light so if you're shooting into the silhouette it's just kind of weird it's just yeah it doesn't feel like it's backlit and yet it is so did you have any success with shots like that um, you know, uh, your comments about what worked for you align pretty closely with mine. I, I mentioned, you know, I got a couple of nice shots of the Capitol, which wasn't really the plan, but, but it was, was kind of nice 
couple of times in that direction. And I, I certainly got the shots of people around the fire pits and other things like that. You know, some close up of close ups of things that they were selling in the different stands, which included things like ornaments and nesting dolls and stuff like that. But I think if I were going to do it again, I would go into it with the idea that I was doing photojournalism. Mm-hmm. And that was not my mindset when we were up there. But I, I think I would do that. And that might be a, a more natural way to shoot it. And that would involve more people photography. Right. You know, for certain. Which which I think would be good. And I and one thing I didn't do was get pictures of the vendors, uh, you know, like serving a plate of bratwurst yeah. or something, yeah, which is exactly. what I should have been doing. And that's yeah. where possibly a flash could help. You know, that's what I was mm-hmm. thinking. At least as it starts to get darker, when the sky is just black anyway, you're not exposing for that. One mm-hmm. thing I was doing, um just for fun was you know playing around with buttons and whatnot but changing my metering mode when it got darker i went i went instead of using the normal matrix evaluative metering mm-hmm. i started using the highlight priority metering mm-hmm. and that automatically kind of dials in some negative exposure compensation if you were you know from what you would have metered wide open because sure. a lot of times the iso will just crank up and it's unnecessarily high because uh, you don't, you don't really need, um, you know, you're not exposing you can, for a black sky. I mean, no, let's put and it. you can end up with blown out highlights, you know, right. which, which right. can be lights. They can be the right. fires in those pits that we were talking about, all sorts of things. Right. And you get a little of that, but it's yeah. okay. It's it's like yeah. the, the lights are still going to be bright, but if I did some close ups with the spot meter. You can use that too. Mm-hmm. It's another technique. Right. Um, but that was, it was still fun and it was oh, yeah. something to do and it was good. And I'm always happy that when we get to go shooting, it's better than just sitting around and exchanging um, Lightroom tips, <laughs> <laughs> you know, although we have plenty. Um, we do, but I would always rather go shooting. Right. Speaking of Lightroom, if you do use Lightroom, there was a significant update this past week to um, Lightroom Classic 12.1, as well as Lightroom Non-Classic Cloud. And uh, it's mostly UI uh, changes, but they're good ones. Yeah, Yeah, but they're good ones. Mm -hmm. And what they basically did was they took that huge list of sliders that's in the um, local Local adjustments, the the masking panel, and they've kind of grouped them in the same way that the basic panels load up. So you've got tone adjustments, color adjustments, presence adjustments, and a few other things. And you can collapse those panels. And that, that can make working on a smaller screen way easier yeah so a simple thing but a a nice improvement and then over on the lightroom cc side in addition to that they they added finally the color calibration uh sliders which have been in lightroom classic forever um so that's not something you usually mess with but it's good to have them there because there are some situations where they can come in handy they certainly can so anyway, I just thought I would bring that up since we were mentioning yep. mentioning those things. Now let's move on to our sort of main topic of the day, which is how to approach photo contests because it's, it's tricky. It, it is tricky. And like I said, you can view this topic, I think, as being useful for some other situations too, which could include things like maybe you'd like to sell some prints. 
and you're yeah, trying to figure same, out same idea. which ones do you actually try selling what will be successful because sometimes there's some overlap there with how a judge might look at an image in the contest a little bit different too it reminds me of a time when i was working in a cubicle <laughs> and mm -hmm. and you know you have very limited real estate to make it your own but i would tack up 12 by 18 prints that i'd made and people would come by oh did you take that picture you know, oh yeah that's good do you sell them well like you know why, why are you interested in buying no no no. i don't want to buy it I <laughs> but you should sell it right mm -hmm. well wait a minute okay and therein lies sort of the problem that you have with the same thing with a contest right your, your photo has to have a certain kind of impact wouldn't you say yeah yeah and I think one of the most important things is it needs to not look like a bazillion other images the judges have seen. Right. And, and a lot of people end up going to very common subjects and just thinking because it was them that took it, that it's going to have impact. And it just doesn't. No. Um, you, you know, it's, and now I will just say for the record Although I have entered a photo contest on occasion, that is not what I do. Mm -hmm. And and when I've entered, the last time I entered a, a, a photo contest was probably oh, almost 10 years ago now. My photo was selected for the big show and then the print, framed print was was judged. I didn't win anything, but at least I got to be in the in the show. But there's different kind of contests. You know, there's, there's contests where it's just a digital submission and they give you the specs. Um, and then there's, and then that's usually what you'll see a lot of times with your camera clubs will do that sometimes. And then there's times where they actually want a, a, a physical print, which is another layer of complexity because it's, it's asking you to produce the image in a decent quality way and present it. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we've both done a fair bit of judging for camera contests, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's where we come with our background. Um, and so why don't we start off? Let me just ask you, like, you, you know, you get a, you, you get a submission and there's, you know, I don't know, hundred pictures, right. And you got to sift through these oftentimes online. What are you looking for when you, when you're looking for these photos, when you're looking through them? I'm looking for good compositions, creative ideas, which means not just a regurgitation of a really common subject that mm -hmm. everyone has seen before. No one needs a macro subject, macro photo of a, a single rose, you know, just, right. just straightforward. That's not going to go anywhere. It's not that it's a bad picture. It's just in, insert my unique. great blue heron joke, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all have those pictures and we all are proud of them. Yeah. And if you live in the part of the country that we live in, you certainly don't need to be presenting a photo of Mesa Arch in Canyonlands. Right. Or, or Maroon They Bells. tend to all look the same. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're bad it. photos. It just means that in a contest where the judge is going to get inundated by many similar looking images, trust me, they really will. Um, yes. You need to have something that will stand out and be different. And sometimes just being different as long as, as it's well executed, can be enough. I, I will say it's it's very challenging to to go through the photos and say, you know, and, and just like you said, 
you will see some sometimes a dozen shots and you know there's an interesting thing as a judge when you've done this for a while you can flip through images and you can very quickly know which ones are the winning images or at least the 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 top yes. 10 you know the top top one percent or top ten percent whatever and then you go through those a second time usually to look through now one thing i would say and and um you know when you're going to enter a contest read through the details of the categories and i've judged contests um that i wouldn't want to enter uh because the, the because the entries were literally color or black and white mm-hmm and there was no, and, and my feedback to the people who had the, you know, cause I was a judge, I said, you're making it really hard on someone like on us. You know, if you've got a category for, you know, sports or photojournalism versus landscapes versus nature. Okay. We can talk about that. But if you're asking right. me to judge a landscape versus photojournalism, then you run into the problem of the implicit inherent biases of the judge and by as judges we're all biased by our own life it's i'm not saying this in a pejorative sense okay we all have the gravity we all gravitate to shots that we like and and something there's something analogous to um to this that that i used to do a fair amount of you know which had had to involve with involve hiring people and I was fairly involved in that for quite a few years. You know, I had some pretty good-sized organizations that I was hiring for and went to college campuses and stuff. And as part of that, one of the things I would often do is do presentations to student groups on what that was like. And one of the things that I always emphasized was the amount of time that someone that's hiring and recruiting gets to look at someone's resume or equivalent is the first thing is incredibly short. Right. It's 30 seconds. Right. If you can't get across why you're the right candidate in 30 seconds on a resume, you're gone. And it's the same way with a photo contest. It's even less. That first round of triage or whatever you want to call it on images that a judge has they're going to go through stuff very rapidly and it's going to be, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe no. Yeah. Maybe no. It, it's super quick. Right. Right. And, the, and, and you, you can end up in that no pile just in a matter of seconds. And it could be not a bad idea, but you know, you couldn't figure out what the subject really was or the, the post-processing was just not done or was very indifferent all sorts of things that can cause the image to fall apart or just not an interesting not composition inspiring or in, in any kind of way. Yeah. Um, here's another thing, you know, the judges will be biased towards their own. That's just normal. Um, meaning that you should, if it is judged by a third, you know, an outside person, as we generally have been approached, you know, mm-hmm. um, look and see what that judge go to their website see what kind of photography they do um submit images that might align more with their interests um rather than stuff that's completely you know um outside the box especially if the categories are a little generic now if you got specific categories that's much better you know mm-hmm. sp- um, you know you can you can enter in that 
Um, but the other thing we have to worry about when you're trying to submit for a contest is our own inherent biases to our own work. Because we're damn proud that we got that photo of the great blue heron sitting in the middle of the lake. Because you know what? Boy, I had to wait there and sit there and, and it didn't fly away. And I had to use my new 500 millimeter lens. And my goodness, right? Aren't, aren't And you are proud of yourself and you should be. I'm not trying to diminish that. But the photo itself will not pique the interest the of judges, the judges. Judges do not care. Yeah, they really for don't. One, they don't. For one, they're not going to find out about all of that and even if they did they'd say i don't care <laughs> that's right. nice but i'm looking at the image that's it right well so for example bird photos right mm -hmm. everyone lo loves them and they are such a challenge i mean we both know that mm -hmm. to get a decent sharp even just a head and shoulders portrait of a bird is hard mm -hmm. and when you get that shot you're freaking happy because you got one that was in focus and look at that. But guess what? Backgrounds matter. Behavior matters. Like if the bird isn't doing anything and just sitting on a stick, you know, I think back to a, a winning shot from years ago. Uh, and it won one of those, I think it was in a National Geographic contest or one of those major mm -hmm. ones. And it was just a red winged blackbird up on a cattail, right? Mm -hmm. Or some kind of bird. But it was cold and the bird was calling and you could see the condensation of its breath as it was calling that shot one, you know, but that's the one that mm -hmm. same bird on that same branch, not doing that doesn't win anything. It gets thrown out. Right. But to sort of see that expression, that gesture that came from, you know, being able to visualize the bird calling, that is something with impact. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, another thing, let's talk about processing stuff. Because people get way wrapped around and I think tend to over-process images or even go overboard with other techniques. At least when I'm looking at a photo, especially if it's something from a natural, if the category is natural of some kind, okay? Mm -hmm. Unless the category is explicitly digital manipulation, which means something different than post-processing, okay? Yeah. Um, let's be clear. Um, we were mentioning this we sh as the ju the judge shouldn't notice your post processing they should just notice a nice image right if, if there's so if there's stuff to the point where you know you've really done sloppy dodging and burning let's say you know and you got halos around things you can just see this and it's it, the the processing starts to distract from the image mm -hmm. and it's bad um and uh, backgrounds matter. But you know what's almost worse? Is slapping on a replacement sky on that bird picture that was taken at a zoo. Mm -hmm. Because it clearly does not match. It, or the lighting is going to be different. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to say. And it's, you know, maybe I'm just weird this way. But like when I go out and do landscapes, part of the understanding is the conditions are not always optimal. And therefore, when you get a spectacular sunrise or sunset or whatever else might be going on, to me, that's part of the joy of it. Not coming back and going, well, I need to put this picture on my wall. So let me find a sky replacement somewhere and, you know, and try to win awards. To me, that's not that's not natural. No, 
and, and, and I'm not saying there isn't a place for doing sky replacements because it has its it has its value for other kinds of applications, but not generally for contests. Yeah. So, you know, One what are some that ways? Can be helpful you know, is that you can do is if this is a recurring thing. Let's say it's hypothetically a camera club, and they do a yearly contest or, or even a monthly monthly one, one or whatever. Look at past winners. Yeah. That'll right. give you a very good idea about what your competition is like and what people are picking. It can be a very useful exercise. Now, we mentioned looking at post-processing, but like, mm -hmm. what are the things that we don't care about so much? Um, Pixel level sharpness. Right. I mean, absolute right. detail. Your subject should be in focus. It should not be so obviously out of focus, which, you know, or something like that or missed focus. You know, you want that done right. But it doesn't need to be like, but look at all the detail when you zoom in to 400%. No, <laughs> you know, so. no. And, and typically, you're not even talking about images that are full resolution. They've been downsized. Right. They're just like images that you would see on social media in most cases. So, yeah. And don't over sharpen sharp. them, right? I mean. No, that can be I mean, kind of hideous. That, that could be bad, too. So, so if your processing is obvious at the time that you open the picture it's probably not going to cut it. Yeah. And when I say obvious, I'm like obvious defects, like over sharpened and halos or, you know, clear clarity. You know, yeah. Just over saturation. That's way over the top. And it just, just sunsets that look like nuclear explosions of some sort. Right. Um, and again, unless the category says, well, we want you to get creative on it. Explosions. Yeah. That, that's a good thing. Well, anyway, I mean, it's just, there's just lots of stuff out there. And, and, you know, the bottom line is that contests serve a purpose. If nothing else, you get feedback on your photos, which is a good thing. Um, and Here, But here's what I would be careful with, with contests. Now, if you win, can you include, conclude that you're a good photographer? Probably are, at least for that one image. But the more important thing is, can you include can you conclude that you're a bad photographer if you don't win? Uh-uh, not at all. It, it is such a, an artificial environment in many ways. Yeah. And you should not get upset at all if you do not win a contest. I, I would think hard about even entering one if you're going to possibly interpret things that way. And I've certainly see, seen people interpret things that way. Well, there's a lot of people... It, it lack if you have ever judged stuff you realize how wrong it is for people to conclude that because many wonderful yeah. images taken oh, by great photographers don't win there, there's plenty of you know usually 90 percent of the images submitted will be decent good photos mm-hmm and the you know very few of them get thrown out right off the bat for like complete failure for technical reasons. I mean it happens, but but it doesn't happen often. And I like to tell my clients like when we go on a workshop, safari, whatever. There's going to be pictures that you get from this trip that every single one of you should be proud of and feel good about putting on your wall. That doesn't mean it would win in a contest. It's a different thing altogether. Hmm. But I think I think there are certain people and you got to, you know, there's personality types out there, but they derive so much of their self-worth by hopefully winning these contests as a mm -hmm. validation right. uh, mechanism. 
and you got to really be careful not to tie you know to to equate your your own you know prowess as a photographer as the ability to win contests there are people who literally go out there and all they do is enter contests i know with the same image i mean they travel around the state and they enter every single contest and that's like they're i joke they're like professional photography contest enters you know like this is this is what they do i mean it's it, and it's true they they really are and, and don't get me wrong they have some fabulous photos it's true but there's pictures that you can be proud of and there's pictures that will win contests and while those two overlap they're, they're not necessarily um you know they're they're not one-to-one -one. yeah you know the venn diagram is uh is very very different yeah so anyhow i i think it's it's good because you know as we get into this time of year you know there are a lot of contests and stuff because maybe you've been sifting through your photos from the past year and now it's kind of gloomy and wintry or maybe not doing as much outdoor photography as you might want to so it's a good thing to keep in mind mm -hmm. plus i'm judging a contest in a few weeks for a camera club in florida so there you <laughs> it'll, go. Be, it'll be a time to dust off my uh my judge hat yeah okay did we forget anything rick i think those are the important things kind of ran down all right excellent well um we will be back next week with a special edition photography podcast <laughs> this will be a different one it'll be different we're going to actually see if we can publish it on friday instead of saturday because friday marks a very important holiday <laughs> <laughs> next week um those of you in the u.s who are into pop culture will know what we're talking about but we'll we won't let it all out of the bag right now but until next time happy shooting all right bye-bye